Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen, with my partner for this episode, Jim Hammett. Jim, we had an episode a couple days ago when Jamie Dixon, when it was announced that Dixon was leaving Pitt. Uh, we're reconvening a couple days after that. Amidst everything that's been going on, how are you doing? Uh, we're doing okay. Uh, obviously, uh, we've had a, a up and down roller coaster past couple of days, but uh, such is life in a coaching search. I, we know this from football. Um, so, you know, we're, we're hearing a lot of names, a lot of different things going on. So we're just kind of taking it all in stride and seeing, seeing what happens. Absolutely. It's going to be, well, it is an interesting process and it's, it looks like it's going to continue that way. Uh, so what we figured we'd do in this episode is first we want to talk about the Sean Miller fiasco and what happened. Then we want to go into, I did a, a coaching candidate bracket on Twitter just to see what fans of Pitt were looking for in a head coach, some of the names that they would really desire. And so we'll go through that and talk about it. And then we're just going to run down a big old list of names and uh, and try to figure out if they'd be a good pick, a bad pick, if they're feasible, things like that. Uh, and then at the end, we'll have our uh, Three Rivers Pack of Question and our Panther of the Week. But first, Jim, let's talk about Sean Miller, a graduate of Pitt from the Pittsburgh area, head coach at Arizona right now. And uh, he was, I'm not going to say he was offered the job. It was very clearly a situation where if Sean Miller wanted to be the head coach at Pitt, he could have been. Was there an official offer? I'm sure not, because they tend to only make one official offer, and they only make it when they know that that person's going to take it. But we know that if Sean Miller wanted to coach Pitt, he could have done it. There were all these reports that he was in Pittsburgh, that he was more than 50% set on accepting from Pitt, and as it turns out, he wasn't in Pittsburgh. And then he puts out a tweet saying that he's flattered and he loves Pitt, but he's not interested and he's going to stay at Arizona. So with everything that happened, with people, that their hopes going through the roof and then coming crashing down about 20 minutes later. What do you make of this entire fiasco around Sean Miller? Well, the thing with Sean Miller is that rumor kind of started going. I kind of, you know, some of the people I know, we were talking and Richie Walsh was not the only one to think this was happening. There was other people at Pitt, you know, not even just people hoping and wishing. There was people like saying like, this is going to happen. Like, this is real. Like, he's talking to Scott Barnes right now. So, does everyone have bad info? Did everyone have bad sources? Maybe. Uh, did they get set up? Possibly. Um, I, I think the conversation, at the very least, happened. I don't I don't, I don't. don't know if Sean Miller was actually in Pittsburgh. But I, I'm sure Scott Barnes wouldn't be doing his job unless he talked to the most famous alum that is a head coach at a major Division One university. He would... It would he couldn't justify not talking to Sean Miller. So how far did things go? Like you said, Sean Miller knows if he wanted to be the coach of Pitt, uh, he could be. There's there's no doubt about it. Pitt would hire him in a second. I, they wouldn't hand him a blank check, but pretty close to it. I mean, he, he would make a lot of money here. Um, he has a good gig at Arizona. We all know that. Um, so did he use this as leverage? Maybe. Uh you know, Archie Miller just got an extension, an extra year, a couple more dollars. So, uh, you know, it, it, it was all kind of tied into one family. It wasn't just so much Sean, it was Archie. So some people are thinking, was the whole pit talk just leverage for both brothers? Uh, you know, you, you kind of read uh, their dad, who's a, you know, very famous, very uh, well-regarded high school coach in the area. You know, he, he kind of took his shots at Pitt, and he kind of was saying, you know, my sons are happy where they are. They have good situations, blah, blah, blah. So you ha you half wonder if all this Pitt attention was actually good for them because maybe they, you know, at least Archie made a little little more money out of this. Yeah, it's definitely something to think about. I think it's more likely with Archie Miller because he did get a new contract at Dayton and it's a smaller school. With Sean Miller, he's making plenty of money. He's at a great school. I don't know how much more you could want. I think, in my opinion, again, I don't have these inside sources, but just from what I gather, I agree with you that there probably was talk between Scott Barnes and Sean Miller, just as there should have been. Scott Barnes absolutely would not be doing his job if he didn't try to get Sean Miller. And so I'm sure they talked, and I'm sure that Sean Miller, as some, you know, if you're offered your alma mater head coaching position, I mean, that's got to be, you're, you're not going to instantly turn it down without thinking about it. I'm, I'm sure that Sean Miller probably thought about it. That's probably where some of the sources and, and info came from, was the fact that 
when people were saying there's not a 0% chance that he would come to Pitt, I, I completely believe that. I think that there was a chance that, you know, I, I think it was probable that he at least thought about, well, what if I, I go back to, to Pitt? Uh, at the end of the day, he didn't take it. That's not surprising. I think the only thing is the fact that there were reports that he was close to taking it or that he was in Pittsburgh. Uh, but really, if you had told people in this entire process at the beginning of it that Scott Barnes, the athletic director at Pitt, would reach out to Sean Miller and they'd talk. Again, this is assuming. We don't know for sure, but assuming this happened. They'd talk and Sean Miller would think about it and say, you know what, thanks, but I'm really happy here. Uh, no one would be upset. That's all you could ask for. Uh, but in in the... Uh, in in light of everything that's happened, it seems like some fans are upset because of how it worked out, because Sean Miller is not coming to coach Pitt, and they feel a little bit underwhelmed, even though it was such a long shot from the beginning. Yeah, the the whole story is just kind of bizarre with, uh, you know, Richie Walsh, you know, he's a Pitt alum, he works for KDK, which is a very reputable, of all affiliates throughout throughout the country, most people know KDKA, it's, you know, a well-known outlet, but uh, he, he might have gotten burned on his info, he might have got burned on his sources, he, he maybe he jumped the gun, um, but, you know, he, he kind of came out with a sheepish apology not too long ago, and he kind of said, well, Sean Miller didn't deny that he was in Pittsburgh, and Pitt hasn't denied it either, so... You know, there's a lot of conjecture, a lot of, you know, different missing parts. I, th I think at the end of the day, he was wrong. Uh, Sean Miller likely was not in Pittsburgh. If he was, it would have been through the shadow of the night for a couple hours that nobody knew about. That's the only possible window that he was here between. And even Paul Zeiss went through the, the calculation of it, and he calculated that even if somehow Sean Miller could have made it to Pittsburgh, it would have been for like 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So that, mean, that's very unlikely. I mean, Jamie Dixon left Monday around like 4 o'clock, and you're talking that by Tuesday at 4 o'clock, he's saying Sean Miller's fifty over 50% to take the job, and like, the timeline just doesn't add up. The job wasn't even open for 24 hours and like there was nowhere. It, it just didn't add up. So I think at the end of the day, like I, I know Richie Walsh, he broke uh, Scott Barnes and Pat Narduzzi, uh, a couple other stories. And, you know, I think he has pit it, you know, his heart's in the right place. It obviously is, but I think he was wrong. And I think what makes him look, he kind of looks like an idiot right now is that he's just, not owning up to it. I mean, Deadspin did an article about him. I mean, everyone was making fun of him. I mean, you know, I feel bad for him because he trusts his sources, obviously, and they, they never let him wrong before. But this time, it, it just it just never added up that Sean Miller was actually in Pittsburgh, um, that he was formerly offered the contract. I think, you know, the phone call happened. They're like, hey, Sean, it's Scott. Do you want the job? Eh, no, I'm good here. Okay. Like that's probably all that ever happened, but it, right. it just it it took on a life of its own. It spiraled out of control, and you know it it just made for a stressful couple days. Yeah, it was an odd situation, and uh, I think one of the big hits was the the fact that the fan base is now going to be a bit underwhelmed with whoever the coach is because it's not Sean Miller, even though that was almost impossible. I mean, that almost definitely wasn't going to happen. But now some people are upset. Either way, the entire saga, I, I mean, because things moved so quickly at the beginning and everything that happened, now it just seems, I, I mean, this is Thursday, Dixon left Monday night, and it just seems like an eternity since this job has been open. I mean, this coaching search is a pretty interesting one. So we, we were talking about, and we wanted to, to try to figure out, uh, and, you know, I, I, was, uh, I was curious as to, what type of coach, and specifically what coach, Pitt fans wanted Pitt to go after. Now, so what I decided to do, it's March, everyone's doing these brackets everywhere. There's a favorite Pittsburgh sports personality bracket. There's a most annoying Pittsburgh sports personality bracket. Uh, and so I decided, okay, I'll, I'll join in on the bracket fun. Let me do a bracket, 16 coaches whose names have been thrown out there at some point for the Pitt head coaching job. Who do the fans want? And I put it out there on Twitter polls and a bunch of people voted. And uh, it was really just to, to gauge what fans wanted. I ranked them subjectively based on, in general, 
again, subjective, but how reputable those guys were uh, and maybe what program they're coming from. And what ended up happening was, and I know if people go to my Twitter at Corey E. Cohen, you could see uh, the, the picture of it, the bracket, the final bracket. Uh, it's chalk based on these subjective seedings that I came up with. The top seed won in every single uh, matchup, which was pretty interesting. But basically, uh, to, to cut to the chase, the winner of it was Chris Mack from Xavier. Now, I didn't include Sean Miller or Archie Miller because those both... Well, Sean Miller was out of it, and Archie Miller seemed like a big, long... Like, almost definitely not going to happen. Uh, and I didn't include some coaches that... I mean, I okay, would Pitt love Coach K? Yeah, but we're not going to include him on the list because it doesn't make any sense. That also includes a guy like, you know, someone Jay Wright. I think I heard men- the name mentioned once. That's He's not leaving Villanova. Kevin Ollie's not leaving UConn. So there are some that are absolutely ludicrous, and so we didn't include uh, on the bracket. But we figured that Chris Mack, he was the one seed because he's probably the most reputable guy who at least it wouldn't be completely ridiculous for that to, you know, maybe happen. Uh, we haven't heard anything of him denying interest. We haven't heard that Pitt isn't even looking at him. So I included him on the list, and not a big surprise, but he won this bracket based on fan votes. Then you talk about the semifinals, so that the final four. Uh, ben Jacobson was the runner-up, the coach at Northern Iowa. Uh, Larry Krastowiak of Utah was on there. Uh, and uh, Fran McCaffrey from Pennsylvania, the coach at Iowa, just uh, lost to Villanova in the NCAA tournament. He was also in that Final Four. And so, on my end, what I gauge from that entire uh, process is, okay, Chris Mack's number one. That one's not a huge surprise. But if Pitt were to somehow get Ben Jacobson from Northern Iowa, Larry Kostowiak from Utah, Fran McCaffrey from Iowa, because those guys made the Final Four in this bracket, those would all be home run hires. And then you talk about the quote-unquote Elite Eight, the other guys who made it in. uh, So if you didn't make the Final Four, but these other coaches that maybe they're not home runs, but based on what the fans think, these would be good hires. Those include Will Wade of VCU, Ed Cooley of Providence, Kevin Willard of Seton Hall, and Brandon Knight the assistant coach at Pitt. And and so really from that bracket, again, anyone can look it up on my Twitter account uh, at Corey E. Cohen. But from what it seems, obviously Chris Mack is number one. There are some guys that would be home run hires. uh, And then a a group of solid coaches who people think uh, would be pretty good hires, including Cooley and Wade and Knight and Willard. I don't know. So, so Jim, looking at the bracket on your end, what the fans thought about in terms of who they'd prefer, ideally in their mind, for a head coach, uh, what do you think about who the fan base is, is looking at? Well, obviously, like, Chris Back is, uh, you know, he's in the Sean Miller uh, coaching tree. Uh, he was his lieutenant at Xavier, and he just kind of took over. Um you know, when you look at how they voted, it doesn't surprise me Chris Mack came out on top. He's a very attractive coach, uh, young, energetic, bright, um, just exactly everything you'd be looking for. And he, he's run a very strong program in the Big East, um, you know, even though Xavier wasn't in the same Big East Pitt was in. You know, it, it, it's a league people are familiar with. They know what it's all about. And so they, they, they saw what he did. Uh, you know, it's not like he he's, you know, just hammering out final four and elite eights. Like he's still kind of in that sweet 16 model. So you're not going to get a coach better than Jamie Dixon right now. You're not going to get someone that has a greater pedigree. Like you kind of look at Chris Mack and you said, you know, he's like Jamie Dixon the first 10 years. And, you know, he's something you can build off of. So I could, I could see why fans were, you know, kind of drawn to him. Uh, Then obviously, uh, you know, looking at your bracket and, you know, who else? Like Ben Jacobson, uh, you know, maybe a little bit older, but, uh, you know, kind of a stern leader, uh, kind of just, you, you kind of look at him and you're like, you know, he's calm, you know, what he, you know what's going on with him. Uh, you know, Northern Iowa, they've had great years. They've had down years. I mean, he's been up and down his whole career, but, you know, they won 30 games once or twice. They had the memorable upset over Kansas maybe seven or eight years ago. Uh, I, I'm going to butcher his name, Ali Farukmanash. I think was the Northern Iowa star. That, yeah, Ali Farouk Manesh. Yeah, that that's that's a famous famous play in March Madness lore. So yeah, he's had great teams. I love Fran McCaffrey. Uh, you know, I've been talking to some people. You know, we're talking about the job, and we think he'd be great. Um, 
you know, Pitt has a better recruiting base than even Iowa, and he's doing great things at Iowa, and he's a Philly guy. And, uh, you know, Pitt hasn't been in Philly for a while. Then, obviously, Kristoviak, NBA background. You don't know if he's ever going to go to the NBA. You kind of wonder about that. So, you know, you're looking at your final four. I mean, all four coaches are very attractive. Uh, you know, they're definitely people you could you see Pitt taking, you know, wanting to take. It's all a matter of the interest mutual. And at this point, we just don't know. Yeah, I uh, I definitely see where you're coming from in terms of that. Again, it was just something for fun. It's March. It's, you know, everyone's doing brackets. So I decided to put that out there, uh, throw up a bunch of coaches and, and see what stuck in terms of what the fans are looking for. Again, the top guy, Chris Mack, even the Final Four, they might all be pretty unlikely to very unlikely. We don't know. They are in the realm of possibility. Again, I didn't want to include them if they were completely out of the realm of possibility. It's not unheard of if one of these guys were to take the job. It wouldn't be completely out of left field. Uh, but at the same time, it's not incredibly likely. Maybe those top four, you might be looking at the round before that. A, a guy like Will Wade or Kevin Willard or Brandon Knight, so, something like that. So uh, definitely some interesting names out there. Uh, and so I, I compiled it. Well, I know first you compiled the list on Twitter uh, at Jim Hammett with a bunch of names. I know you had to edit it and, and delete and repost a few times because you forget a name here and there. Uh, but I compiled a list based off that, based on based on uh, Paul Zeiss, who has been all over this. Obviously, he's the pit beat writer for the Post-Gazette with pretty much every name that you could think of. That's been thrown out there, whether it's really feasible or not. I mean, really any possible name. Uh, again, just throwing names out there, seeing what sticks. Um, it, pretty much if we've heard the name more than once or twice, it's on this list. And so what we want to do is just run down the list. I'll pitch a name to Jim uh, and Jim will give a yay or a nay, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, and then, you know, just a, a brief rationale on why, whether it's you don't think that Pitt could hire that person, whether you think that person wouldn't do a good job, just whatever you're thinking with this name, we're just going to throw names out there and see what our opinions are. And we're just going to go down this laundry list. So we're going to start it off with a guy who won this bracket, Chris Mack, the head coach of Xavier. What do you think? Uh, Yes, 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 if you can. You just don't know if you can. He's a Cincinnati native, a Xavier grad. Uh, he's in a comparable job to Pitt uh, in an easier league. So, he, you know, he can navigate to being in the top three of his league a lot easier than Pitt can. So, you know, the money would have to be very right for him to take it. But if he if he called up Scott Barnes and said, I want the job, I think you almost have to offer it to him on the spot. Uh, he's been the three sweet 16s in seven years. He has a 67 uh, winning percentage, uh, 68 winning percentage in, in the Big East slash A-10. Um, he's won two conference titles. Uh, he's just a bright coach. He's 46 years old. Uh, you know, Xavier's kind of in that same footprint as Pitt uh, as recruiting. Uh, so he, he's been at Xavier, and I, I see he had a brief stop at Wake Forest, so he kind of even understands the ACC as well. Yeah, Chris Mack, first of all, I completely agree with you. If he wants the job, you got to give it to him. I think everyone agrees, you, me, all of Pitt Twitter out there, agrees this guy is the number one candidate. You want this guy badly. That said, it's going to come down to, is it possible that he'd want the Pitt job? Just as you said, you know, he, he's probably at, at least about as good of a program. I know some Pitt fans who wanted Dixon gone, and now he is gone, thought that Pitt might have been a better program than it actually is. Great team, but we don't know how good of a program it was. I mean, it, it was a great team, at least in the in maybe not the past couple years, but even in, you know, 06, 07, that, that whole era, it, it wasn't necessarily a great program. It just had a recent string of success. Another big example is Virginia. Virginia right now is killing it. Number one seeds everywhere. But if Tony Bennett leaves, that's not necessarily a great program. Uh, in fact, it's not a great program. They've got a really good coach, and they're doing some great things right now. But that doesn't necessarily mean when there's a coaching opening that guys are going to be leaving their jobs to go to UVA. And it's the same thing for Pitt. Pitt's a good job. It's probably top 40 in the country. But there, at the same time, if Pitt's a top 40 job and you're at a school that's maybe a top 50 job, do you want to leave everything if things are going really well for you? 
probably not. And and with Chris Mack, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Pitt's probably top 40. Xavier's probably around there, top 50 in terms of program. Uh, and do you really want to, I, I mean, that it wouldn't be a huge move up for Chris Mack, if any, necessarily. So why would you want to leave? I'd love it if Chris Mack came to Pitt. I just don't think that it's going to happen. Next, Larry Kristowiak from Utah. Uh, I know you mentioned him briefly. What do you think? You know, I, I'd say yes. Like, again, he's another one. Um, if he wants the job, you know, if he calls up, you know, if he calls up Barnes, maybe the Utah connection, uh, you know, it gets going. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk to him. I mean, he's an ex-NBA player. He played in the league. He he coached in the league uh, for a brief stint. And he's turned uh, Utah into a pretty good program in a short amount of time. Uh, you, you know, this year he won 27 games. Last year he won 26 games. They went to the Sweet 16. They beat Duke this year in the regular season. He's developed a big man, uh, Jakob Pertle, who's going to be a lottery pick. I mean, he develops big man. He's 6'9 himself. So can you imagine him and Barnes, uh, you know, standing there talking 6'9 and 6'8? Um, you know, there's a lot to like about Larry Kristoviak. Uh, it's just another one of those, uh, you know, Pitt's probably a slightly better job. But the Pac-12 is a slightly easier league to navigate, and you know he's he seems to be more of a Western guy as it is. I agree with you. Again, it, it sort of goes back to: is Pitt a better program than Utah? Yeah, but is it that much better that a guy's going to leave a good thing? Probably not. And so again, I, I think he'd be a great hire. That said, I just don't think uh, that it uh, that it gets done. Uh, I don't think that he would accept it. Because Utah isn't that much worse. You're still in a Power 5 conference. Basically, the way I see it, if you're in a position where you can win a lot of games, you don't necess- you don't have to win your conference tournament. You could still make the NCAA tournament. You're not a, a one-team, a, a one-bid conference. And you could get a high seed, then you-, you probably don't feel the need to switch. So that applies to Utah. That applies to Xavier. Again, a big reason, well, many reasons why Jay Wright wouldn't come to Pitt is that Villanova, like, he's doing just fine at Villanova. He can win a bunch of games at Villanova, not win the Big East, and still be a two-seed, maybe a one. You don't need to come to Pitt for that. And uh, and I think the same thing goes over at Utah, so I agree with you on that. Fran McCaffrey from Iowa. We mentioned during the bracket, he's got Philly ties. Um, he, he's from Philadelphia, graduate of Penn, went to Wharton. Um, what would you think if Pitt tried to get him, and do you think that feasibly they could get him? I, th- I think he's one you could feasi- feasibly talk into. Um, again, Iowa, Pitt is a better job than Iowa. It has a better recruiting base. Iowa, you know, Iowa doesn't scream like great team to me. Um, even right now, he's not like, he's not taking them to Sweet 16s. He's not taking them to Elite 8s. You know, they, they've made the tournament the past three years. That's it. You know, they they've... They've kind of won. They've won twenty games, twenty-two games, and twenty-two games. They've been a you know a seven seed. They were in the playing game in Dayton a few years ago. Then you know, so they're not doing unbelievable things. But I I think that's kind of you know being at Iowa. Uh, I I think he's kind of being held back. So you bring him in, uh, you give him a great facility in Pennsylvania, his home state, and say. Listen, just recruit Philadelphia. Get that going again. Get the Brad Wanamakers. Get the Nasir Robinsons. Uh, all those kids that are going to Penn State. You convince them. No, that's a terrible idea. You come and play for Pitt. And I think he can do that if you give him the funding, the resources, and uh, you know, with his name in Philadelphia. Uh, not that you know he's been there any time recently, but he, you know, he walked into a gym. People would know who he is. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Fran McCaffrey might be my number one choice. Um, that said, to actually get him, I think you need to put a, a full court pressure on him, so to speak. Um, this is a guy with Pennsylvania ties. He's from uh, Philly. Um, and he's, I mean, as you said, Philly recruiting, that's a big deal. And I'm not just saying that because I'm from and live around Philly. Uh, I think that you can do a lot. Uh, there's a ton of talent from there. And not just Philly, but also. A little more in the middle of the state. You talk about Lancaster. You talk about now his first head coaching job was at Lehigh. That was in the 1980s, but he coached at Lehigh for three full seasons before moving up uh, and then got to Iowa in 2010. But I think if he were to look at the situation, clearly this is a guy who who likes Pennsylvania. He's from Philly. He went to Penn. He coached at Lehigh, 
And uh, he might have hit a ceiling at Iowa, not because of him, but because of the program. I mean, you were talking about they've, they've made the tournament the, the past three years. Before that, they did progressively better for two years in the NIT. So that might be the best that you can do. I don't know how much further, maybe one Sweet 16 run. But Iowa, you're not going to be able to do a whole ton there. I do think you could do more at Pitt. So because of that, I think Fran McCaffrey, with the experience, with the local, relatively local tie, I think that he would be an incredible choice uh, for Pitt. But you have to go after him. This isn't going to be a guy who's going to be banging on your door asking for the Pitt job. You'd have to approach him. And I think uh, Pitt would be smart to go after him. But if they don't, if they're just you know, sort of looking at other names, he he's not going to come running to you. So that's my thought. I think he'd be a great pick, but I haven't seen his name all over the place. I don't know how much they're considering him or how much he'd consider it. The next name on the list, Ed Cooley, the head coach of Providence. Jim, what do you think about Cooley? I, I kind of like Ed Cooley, and, you know, I kind of looked at his tenure. I kind of looked at his tenure before Providence. I looked at him at Fairfield, and his team got better each and every year. His first year, he won 13, then 14, then 17, then 23, then 25. That is uh, visible success. That is getting better each and every year. You finished in fifth, then fourth, then second, then first in your league in the regular season. That's that's something you can point to and say, his teams get better. And you look the past three years, his teams have made the tournament. His first, you know, The first two years, they got knocked, knocked out in the first round. This year, they made it the second round. They played with Carolina for about 30 minutes, kind of how Pitt did this year, where you know they were in it, then, you know, it spiraled out of control. But another thing is um, he has motive, you know, to a little bit to leave, even though he's from Rhode Island. Chris Dunn's gone. Ben Bentles uh, announced he's leaving for the NBA. Um, and, and you look at a couple of Pitt's commitments, uh, Justice Kithcart and Corey Manigault, they had Providence offers. So it's one, okay, the cupboard's a little bit bare up at Providence. And two, some of the kids I liked enough to offer are already with me at Pitt. Maybe I can just go there with an experienced team and, you know, get a run going. So uh, it, it, the Paul Zeiss article didn't mention Ed Coley. Ed Coley's kind of been more of a, you know, some general speculation from national writers and from local fans. But, uh, you know, Paul Paul Zeiss, he, he actually said he's either her, Pitt has reached out or is going to reach out to those names. Ed Coley wasn't on that list, but that doesn't necessarily mean they've rolled him out or anything. Right. I mean, what Zeiss has said and what pretty much everyone knows at this point in a coaching search, everyone's lying. Just because a name hasn't been said doesn't mean that that's not a possibility. Just because a name has been said doesn't mean that there's any chance that they'll get the job. Because there were some names on that Paul Zeiss list that I think you and I would both be completely shocked if they were to somehow get the job. The coach at Arkansas, Little Rock, who's from like Louisiana. I mean, it's just not a fit. It doesn't really make any sense. That said, back to Ed Cooley. I totally agree with you how we mentioned Fran McCaffrey I think in terms of a quote-unquote realistic if you're talking about Chris Dowiak probably won't do it Chris Mack probably won't do it McCaffrey and Cooley are 1A and 1B I mean I think I love Fran McCaffrey I think Ed Cooley again he's not going to be knocking down your door because he's from Rhode Island so he's not desperate to get out of there but I think that he might have hit a bit of a ceiling at Providence Chris Dunn's a phenomenal player and he's gone uh, and look, Providence is not an easy school to recruit at. You're not going to get a ton of people to go to Providence. There's not a bunch of local talent, even in the, the general region. I mean, Boston doesn't have a ton of basketball players coming out of there. So you have to be creative with, you have to go down to New York and get kids away from a lot of other schools. Providence is still, I mean, talking at least in the last 10 years, that's not an easy place to get good players, and he's done it a lot. And from what Scott Barnes has said about what he's looking for, good recruiter, um, you know, a strong leader, I think that Ed Cooley would be a phenomenal pick for that. I, I like how you mentioned the cupboard starting to get bare. That might play into it, the fact that he thinks, well, you know, I'd kind of have to take a few steps back if I stay here, whereas for Pitt, I can just hit the ground running because I wouldn't be missing this my giant senior class. I think, again, Fran McCaffrey, Ed Cooley, one of the two would be a home run hire, in my opinion, and I would love it if Scott Barnes were to somehow land them because I think they would be perfect for Pitt. Uh, next name on the list, Kevin Willard from Seton Hall. His dad was a uh, not very popular coach at Pitt. Ralph Willard, did, to put it bluntly, did not do a good job as a Pitt head coach a while ago. That was before I uh, became a fan. Might have been before I was born. Uh, but and, and so, but he's a Pitt grad. Uh, what do you think about Kevin Willard, the head coach of Seton Hall? 
I, I, I would probably pass, even though his name's actually been mentioned in the Zeiss article. Um, you know, he's a pick grad. He has a little bit of NBA experience with the Celtics, a uh, little bit of Louisville experience with uh, Patino. So he's been around good coaches. You know, he's from that coaching tree. He's, he, he just hasn't had an overly amount of success to point to where you can say, you know, yeah, like, the, you know, they're, they're, he shows signs of positive things. I mean, you know, he was 45 and 49 in three years at Iona. Not the easiest place to win, but not the hardest place to win. That's a decent program in the MAAC. And then you go to Seton Hall. He's been there six years. Um, this this past year, this year right here, was the first time he had a winning record in the Big East. They were 12 and 6. They, you know, they had a nice run in the Big East tournament. And they got kind of smacked around by an 11 seed Gonzaga in the first round of the tournament. So uh, he, he just hasn't done enough to impress me. He was able to convince a local kid to stay home to kind of help build his team. But other than that, he, he just really he, he doesn't move the barometer for me. Interesting. I think I like him a little bit more than you and some other Pitt fans. Um, uh, part of it is the fact that he's a Pitt alum. Um, but that's not necessary. I think really anyone from the general mid-Atlantic region into Virginia and North Carolina would be fine. So I, I'm not looking for someone who's from Pittsburgh or went to Pitt. Uh, that said, I just think that he could be a good coach. I, I think that he would take the job, whereas you're talking about Ed Cooley, Fran McCaffrey might not, Chris Mack probably not. Um, I, I think that he would take the job. I think he's coming off a very good season. One thing that I like probably more than anything else is the fact that he's a very good recruiter. Uh, I, I think that some of the guys that he got Whitehead at Seton Hall was great. He got Gibbs, Ashton's younger brother. Uh, I think that there there are people who, I mean, again, Seton Hall, yes, it's in New Jersey. It's not far from New York. But it's still not a, gr- a very easy sell when you're talking about recruiting for top recruits. I mean, if you're from New York, you could go wherever you wanted. You could go, you could stay local, but you could also go to Syracuse. You could probably go to Duke or UNC or wherever. So getting guys to go to Seton Hall, I think that's not an easy task. And I like that he was able to get a good amount of players, including a superstar in Whitehead, just as we saw Cooley do with Chris Dunn at Providence. I like that he had a great season this year. And I like that he's young. He's 40 years old. His first two years at Iona were rough, but his third year was very good. He moved on to Seton Hall, and he's had some growing pains. Uh, But I think he might be hitting his stride. I think it would probably be a good fit. And again, I think it's one of those, is he a dream candidate? No, but I think he'd accept, and I think he'd do a good job, and it'd probably be at this point one of the better names that you could ask for, in my opinion. So that's what I think. Next name on the list, he was mentioned uh, by you, Earl. I think you were the first one in terms of, to, to even think of him on your cardiac hill post was Andy Enfield from USC. Uh, he's from Pennsylvania, from Shippensburg, Florida Gulf Coast. He started that entire thing now at USC for three seasons. What do you think the odds are there? I think uh, I think Pitt's going to pursue him. He was named in the Zeiss article that they, there's genuine interest from Pitt. Um, you know, he, he is from. You know, he's from Shippensburg. Uh, you know, the big story with him kind of like so off topic is his wife's a model and everyone's like, why would they want to leave L.A.? She's a model. Well, she's retired now. But even so, if you come back to the East Coast, now you're in the New York realm of things. So, you know, she's not going to Iowa. You know, she's within proximity to New York City. So, you know, if, if she has a career to worry about, then that's something, you know, that would be a breaking point if you're trying to talk a coach to come to LA or come leave LA to come to Pittsburgh and your wife has a decent career in LA, but now that she doesn't, then that kind of make that might change things. Um, you know, like we said before, does he want the Pennsylvania winners again? He's been living in Florida. He's been, you know, living in LA, but he's a good coach. You can see, you know, marketed signs of improvement. Uh, in one season, he went 15 and seven. The next, he went 26 and 11 at Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, they they played an exciting brand of basketball. They were one of the biggest upsets ever. They knocked off a two seed Georgetown and route to a Sweet 16. Um, you know. Two conference wins, three conference wins, and this year, bam, nine and nine, twenty-one and twelve, made the tournament, showed signs of improvement, and showed signs for the future. They're, he's not recruiting like a madman, but he's getting decent players. And for as nice as USC is, it's not the easiest sell in terms of basketball. There's better 
better destinations, better spots. Uh, you know, kid could look at Vegas, across town at UCLA, San Diego State's a great place to go, both Arizona. So if you're a Southern California kid, it's not like USC's a no-brainer. I mean, there's better options. So, you know, if he's able to get a couple four-stars, I think that's, you know, it's proving that he can recruit a little bit. So do you think that he, that that's a job? I mean, does it really just come down to would he want to deal with Pittsburgh winners? I don't know if it would about that. I mean, he just got to L.A., but... Um, you know, Pitt's definitely a step up program wise. It's, uh, you know, more notoriety playing in a tougher league. I mean, if he wants to challenge himself and, uh, you know, see what kind of coach he really is, uh, you know, Pitt, Pitt would be the spot for him. You know, he, he was a coach for the Milwaukee Bucks, the Celtics, and he has that ACC background as a Florida State assistant. And that's what eventually led to Florida Gulf Coast. So, you know, it's all about desire. I mean, you know, you talk about some of these other candidates, it's like moving from New Jersey to Pittsburgh. Now, you know, this is a cross country move and those aren't always easy to sell, but if the money's right, if Pitt wants them, um, I think Pitt can get them if they really want them. Uh, yeah, I, I think that this is an, I mean, again, I think first you got to call Chris Mack and maybe Larry Kristowiak. After that, I'd put a big emphasis on Fran McCaffrey and Ed Cooley. Then, but right after that, if you can't get those guys, I would look at Andy Enfield. Uh, I think before Kevin Willard as well, in my opinion, and I'm sure in your opinion, I think that this is a guy who I was skeptical at, at Florida Gulf Coast when he took the job for, for at USC. It seemed like one of those, uh, you know, just you have one good season and you're getting out of town and taking a better job. Not to say that you shouldn't, but a lot of times you'll see a guy have one really good season and then he'll stay there and he'll wait it out because he's confident in himself that he can do it again. You saw that Shaka Smart VCU and uh, uh, Brad Stevens at Butler before he took the Celtics job, things like that. He bolted Florida Gulf Coast. And to be honest, at the time, I thought this is just going to be a guy who's going to cash in on the success this one season, uh, make some money at USC, probably not turn out. Uh, to be that great of a pick. But he's done a good job at USC. He's proven me wrong. In three seasons, he's gotten better. This third season is when he really took a step up and not an easy place to win. Uh, I think that he'd be a good coach. Again, a lot of it comes down, do you want to move the family across, his wife being a model? I mean, at this point, she, it seems like she's a mother first, and so the model part of it doesn't, I don't think, matter matters that much. Um, but really, I, I think uh, if you really want him and you put the money there, you could probably get him. I think if you can't get some of those top names on the list, that he'd be a good choice. Uh, we'll move a little bit more quickly now. Um, ben Jacobson, Northern Iowa. Jim, is there, I mean, I, I think a lot of people would like the idea, but is there a chance that this guy, who doesn't really have any tie, not just to Pennsylvania, but to the entire Mid-Atlantic region, he's a Midwestern guy. Is there any chance that Pitt could get him? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if Pitt's the biggest, you know, like I said, like, Enfield is a Pennsylvania native, so there's some familiarity here. Um, so it, it's not that drastic for him to come back. You look at a guy like Jacobson, he, he's from uh, South Dakota, I believe. Uh, he's coached at Northern Iowa forever, even before he was the head coach, he was the assistant. So um, he might just be kind of content where he is. I mean, y y you know, if Pitt really wanted him, I mean, they could offer him a lot of money, and, you know, he'd have to really think about it. But I don't know if they're really going to identify him as their guy, um, but – I mean, you know, it's one of those things. Pitt, Pitt has ACC money, and they're in the Missouri Valley. If he really, if they really want him, they could gr probably grab him. I just don't know if the interest is there on uh, uh on Pitt's end. Yeah, I, I think yeah, maybe they could get him. I don't think it's worth shelling out everything to get him. Part of the the bitter taste in my mouth is how the game ended. Uh, this past week uh, at the end against Texas A&M and how his team completely collapsed. I can just see that translating to Pitt and just how brutal it would be on the fans. So I, I just, I don't think that the fit is perfect. And because the fit's not perfect, even though he's a very good coach, I think you're you're not really going to get him to leave a nice stable job unless it makes a lot of sense. A name that's been uh, thrown out by a handful of people that I just don't understand is Dan Hurley, the head coach at Rhode Island. Jim, what do you think about Hurley? I think he's a little bit overrated as a coach. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, he, he hasn't done much. I mean, he, he really, he has a last name, uh, is what I, when I see from him, um, I, I understand his best player, uh, AC Green, I believe was his uh, his guard this year. He was hurt, so that kind of really hampered what they were trying to do. So, you know, maybe maybe they do sneak into the NCAs or NIT again this year, but they're only 17 and 15. As a career at uh, Rhode Island in four years, he's 62 and 64. It's nothing, nothing that, you know, kind of 
does anything for anyone. It's not moving anyone. But, uh, you know, he, he has that New Jersey uh, prep pedigree. His dad's a legendary coach at uh, St. Benedict's, I believe, in New Jersey. So he'd probably have good recruiting connections. But, again, the results just aren't there. He, you know, he, he just, nah, not really excited about him. Yeah, I wouldn't be happy with that pick. I don't know why the name's being thrown out there so much. He's made one NIT in all his years there. He hasn't been to the NCAA tournament once. I mean, I know it's Rhode Island, but I just I don't see why. If you're going to go pick a, a mid-major coach, pick one who's you know done something pretty impressive. I, I don't see why Dan Hurley, I don't understand why he's a name out there, and I think that would be a, a pretty bad It's his pick. last name. It's just his last name. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that. Uh, moving on. Bryce Drew, the head coach at Valparaiso, his name's been mentioned, uh, bounced around in the NBA a bit. He was on the Paul Zeiss list. What do you think about the possibility of Bryce Drew? I'm intrigued because, um, you know, when you, when you click on the headline, it says Drew and Enfield, uh, you know, headline the list of pick candidates. So, you know, you have to wonder about it a little bit. He's another one kind of like Jacobson. He's never coached anywhere but Valpo. I mean, He's been an assistant, assistant head coach, and then head coach of. He Valpo. went to high so, school in Valparaiso. Yeah, I mean he he is he is Mr. Valpo. He's like you know Fred Hoiberg. They called him the mayor at uh, Iowa State. It's kind of the same situation. Like the, the, this kid is Valparaiso, but he's going to get a bigger job eventually. He's going to outgrow this, and uh, you have to wonder is Pitt that job? I mean he, he's done some good things, like some good high win totals. Uh, you know. 22 and 12, 26 and 8, 18 and 6, 28 and 6, and currently 25 and 5 going to the NIT Final Four. Um, you know, and you have to understand that this is a league where you absolutely 100% have to win your conference title, get to the tournament. He's had teams that, you know, were quality, would have been a decent 13, 14, maybe even a 12 seed that could have done damage in tournaments. It just, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. 63 and 19 in conference play is the number that raises my eyebrow. He's young, energetic, NBA background. Um, I kind of like him. I, I, I really do. I just don't know if it's a fit. Interesting. I, I, you know, I think that it would be a solid choice. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily love it. As you said, he's done a good job at Valparaiso. He's not a big fit. I mean, Indiana's not completely distant it's not Iowa as uh you know with Ben Jacobson that said uh it's not um you know it, it's not exactly Pittsburgh I think it'd be an, a solid hire I wouldn't be upset uh, I think it'd certainly be better than Dan Hurley but I'm not too thrilled moving on Kevin Keats been mentioned a couple times he's the head coach at UNC Wilmington sort of a hot name he was a recruiter at uh, Louisville what do you think about Kevin Keats I kind of like Keats. Uh, I, you know, I, I like the Louisville background. Obviously, the big concern with him is like you hope he has no connection to all the problems Louisville had. I don't think he does. So I think he's one you have to consider, and he's one that some of the national guys are saying maybe he needs you know like a somewhere in between UNC Wilmington or Pitt, or maybe another year or two at UNC Wilmington. So definitely an intriguing name. If Pitt ended up with him, it wouldn't be horrible, but. Uh, you, you know, I don't think he would be their first choice. Yeah, I agree. I just, I don't think it's, it's a great pick. I think that his next job shouldn't be pit. It should probably be, uh, you know, a job like, you know, in the, in, maybe in the big East, if Seton Hall opens up something like that, you know, Providence, not, not a great job, but a solid job. And even UNC Wilmington, he's only been there for two years. Has it been impressive, especially this year? Yeah, but I, I just, I don't get it. I think also the chance of something happening at Louisville. I don't know if you want to risk it. So I know a lot of people on Pitt Twitter love Kevin Keats. I'm not that enthusiastic. Chris Holtman, the head coach at Butler, took over for Brad Stevens when he went to the Celtics. Indiana guy, but what do you think about Holtman? Uh, I kind of like Holtman, too. Uh, you know, kind of a young, energetic, uh, you know, kind of an offensive-minded coach, kind of what uh, Barnes is talking about. He was on the Paul Zeiss report. Uh, I, you know, I kind of look at, I'm, I'm looking at Wikipedia now, and his uh, basketball coaching career started at none other than Geneva College up in Beaver Falls, so has a tiny bit of familiarity with Pittsburgh, but he's been at Butler. I mean, it's not like he's doing fantastic 23 and 11 22 and 11 so he's solid you know what you get but you can probably get a few better players at pit so he's definitely one you have to monitor yeah i think he's a name you know again if some of these guys turn you down mccaffrey cooley enfield willard and you start getting down to these names like bryce drew and chris holtman and will wade i think it's you know is it a great hire no but i think it could be a good hire i know you've talked about a lot that 
you're not looking for a guy who's going to have a better resume than Jamie Dixon. You're looking for a guy who could match that resume. At the very least, match the resume of the past five years. Uh, Maybe no one can do what Dixon did uh, up until 2010. But you're looking for a guy that could do what he did at least in the last five years, get to the tournament most years. Chris Holman could probably do that. I think it'd be a, a solid hire. Not a home run, but solid. Will Wade, the head coach at VCU, only there one season after Shaka Smart left for Texas. But what do you think about the possibility of Will Wade? I, I kind of like Will Wade. Uh, you know, he's young. Uh, he's another one of those guys you have to think about. Um, I, I like Will Wade. Uh, you know, I, he's he's young, very young, actually. Um but, you know, he had a hand in two teams making the tournament this year, uh, if you think about it, because he, he helped shape the Chattanooga team that went pretty far. You know, they lost Indiana in the first round, but they were a well-regarded team, and they were kind of a trendy upset pick. And then, obviously, he coached his own team into the tournament and played played Oklahoma very tough in the second round. So he, he, can obvi- he obviously has X and O's. Uh, he can, you know, kind of get his personal in quickly, you know, how he did at uh, Chattanooga. I heard he overturn the roster in about a season or two. So definitely one you have to monitor. I just I just don't know what the interest level is there because he's only been at VCU for about a year. Yeah, he's young. That's definitely a risky pick. He's 33 years old. But I like Will Wade. I liked him more than when this coaching shirt started. I think he, he did a good job at Chattanooga. Just one year at VCU. Did a nice job. Uh, got him to the tournament. And before that, I mean, he was a, an assistant coach under Shaka Smart for, I believe, four seasons. That's got to count for something. Uh, I think Shaka Smart's a phenomenal coach. And uh, and I think if you learn from him, you know something. I also like that he was assistant coach at Harvard for three seasons. So, I mean, they, they do things right in the Ivy League. So I think that being an assistant coach at Harvard is good. Went to Clemson. He's from Nashville. So he's not a Pennsylvania guy. But if you're talking about ACC, we know that Dixon started to look at got you know Newkirk down in North Carolina. So will he get New York players? Probably not. But you might see an emphasis of recruiting in ACC territory in the South. Uh, I think it could be a solid hire. I don't know. Again, I think it gets a little jumbled up when you're talking about the middle of the pack between Bryce Drew and Chris Holtman and Will Wade. But I think you know one of them, any of those guys, would be fine. Here's a name that could be great. Could be not so good, but it's caused uh, a lot of interest in a lot of people, and that is Brandon Knight, superstar player for Pitt, assistant coach under Jamie Dixon. Um, what do you think about, I mean, there, it's been reported that he's going to get an interview. We don't know if it's a courtesy interview, if there's a real chance. What do you think about a very real chance that Brandon Knight could get the head coaching job? I, I think there's a small chance because he has a lot of a lot of important people in his corner. A lot of the former players, probably most of the current players too. Um, I I just think you kind of want to get away from what you were doing the past couple of years that weren't working. And um, whether it's fair or not, he had a hand in it. Um, so one way or another, he either recruited the talent, he uh, you know he helped helped game manage. So th- there's definitely some red flags there. I I you know I told someone today. If he would have left five years ago and was a head coach at a small school, he would probably be the favorite for the job today. If he had head coaching experience, a lot of people would be going to bat for Brandon Knight. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I I think, yeah, the players want him hired and alumni, but uh, alumni of of the basketball program. But I don't know if that's enough to do it. I mean, the players for the football team wanted Joe Rudolph. And I think we can all agree that in hindsight, that would have been a very bad pick for the football head coach. So I don't think you just listen to what the players want because they're going to want a guy who they know, but ultimately they're going to come around to whoever's hired. Uh, And I agree. I would have liked it if he got away and had some head coaching experience. He stayed with Dixon, whether or not, you know, some... There are some reports that maybe they butted heads and and Brandon Knight wanted to do things one way, but, you know, Dixon couldn't close or wanted to do things another way. I don't know. I I wouldn't love it. I, I think, and really quick, I'll pose you this question. So let's say you don't get one of these top guys, and Ed Cooley and Andy Enfield, who's really established at a very good, as a head coach at a very good uh, school. And so now all of a sudden you're talking in this middle tier, and you're thinking about Chris Holtman from Butler, Will Wade VCU, Bryce Drew Valpo, and Brandon Knight from Pitt. Do you prefer to stick with Brandon Knight, the Pitt guy, or would you prefer to go with either Holtman, Wade, or Bryce Drew? Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you look at... um. 
you look at Knight against some of those other candidates, at the end of the day, they have that head coaching experience. They've been the man. They've had the made the final call. I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. Like I said in the earlier podcast this week, we kind of talked about football is not the same as basketball. Like Narduzzi, you know, there, there were some growing pains, but it's easier for a coordinator to become a head coach than it is for an assistant basketball coach. Uh, I mean, obviously, Jamie Dixon did a fine job and – you know that, but that doesn't happen every day. And the the, the difference between Dixon and Knight is, uh, you know, you were coming off great years with Ben Howland. You're not coming off the best of years with Jamie Dixon. Not terrible years, but not the best of years. So that that kind of goes against Brandon. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think just because part of what it was with Dixon wasn't that the results were so bad. It was just frustrating. You wanted to to try something new and see how it goes. And I think just based on that. Would Brandon Knight do as good of a job as, say, a Chris Holtman or Will Wade? Possibly, but I think you might want to go in a in a different direction and just see how things go. And, hey, look, if Pitt makes the wrong hire and Brandon Knight goes and gets a head coaching job at a smaller school somewhere else and does a good job there and it doesn't work out for Pitt and a couple of years from now there's another coaching search, then, then maybe uh, he's a very legitimate candidate. Um, The name was sort of bigger at the beginning. It's since died down. Tommy Amaker, the head coach of Harvard, uh, is that too much of a reach for you? What do you think about him? Like like I said, the first time with Tommy Amaker, his his stints in the Power Five just never went too well. He's done great things at Harvard. He might be content there, but I think at some point he's 50 years old, same as Dixon. Uh, He's probably going to want another Power Five job or a bigger high-profile job. I just don't know if Pitt's it for him. but you know, I, I I'm not totally against him, but I I just don't I don't think that's something Pitt's going to pursue. I agree. I'd be underwhelmed if it were Tommy Amaker. I think there are, again are better jobs, um, and I, I think at that point, and you know, go with Brandon Knight, go with Holtman, go with Will Wade, something like that. So uh, I don't love Tommy Amaker. Here's a name that popped up on uh, Paul Zeiss's article: Herb Sendek. Uh, from the area, form, most recently coached at Arizona State. He's out of a job right now. I know a lot of people heard that name and immediately winced. What do you think about Herb Sendek? No, and I, I don't really need to give an explanation. All right, we'll move on. I, I'm going to go with a no as well. This one also might be short. Ben Howland, former Pitt coach. Again, we mentioned him, the coach before Jamie Dixon. Went to UCLA, did a pretty good job, but by their standards, not good enough. Now he's at Mississippi State. Some are saying that Pitt reached out to him and he and he declined. We don't really know. But if there were any chance for Ben Howland, would you consider wanting him back? I mean, if he if he kind of openly said, I want the job, that would change things. But like, I don't think Pitt went out and tried to grab him like they kind of like Jeff Goodman and Adam Zagoria said this morning. I think maybe someone might have called him and said, hey, like, what do you think about Pitt? Or, what, you know, like he's happy at Mississippi State. Uh you know, you know, he he's gonna he's recruiting well. He's the number four recruiting class in the country. So I don't think the interest was genuine. Uh, he kind of left on bad terms. He kind of just kind of up and like, all right, I'm gone, like that kind of thing. Not not quite to the Todd Graham extent, but people were kind of rubbed the wrong way and weren't real happy with him. So I it just I just never thought it was a possibility, and I don't really believe the rumors of this morning so much. Fair, yeah. I I also don't really believe it. Would he be as good of a coach as some of those guys in the middle? Probably. I, you know what? For me, it's more symbolic. I don't think you talk about a new direction. You, you don't like how things are going. I don't think you go back to the guy that you had before with your tail in between your legs. I, I just I don't like the idea of going back to a coach. Uh, who, it's, it's like if things, say, didn't work out with uh, with Pat or, or no, let, let's say things, you know, after Todd Graham, if you went back to Dave Wanstad and said, hey, wanna, uh, I, I know we said we weren't content with what was happening. But uh, you want to come back? I just I don't like it, and and so uh, someone did that. I think DePaul did that. Dave Lato, he he coached at DePaul, took a break. Oliver Purnell, and now he's the coach again. Wow, it's yeah, it, you know, it happened here. They tried to do Johnny Johnny Majors uh, two in the nineties whenever he was old. It just it just doesn't work. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think you go back <laughs> to Ben Howland. Just a couple more names here. Here's one. It's kind of a, a two for one. Two guys that have Duke ties. They were there as assistants. Now they're head coaches. We don't know if it... I mean, they're both at good schools now. So we don't know if they'd want to leave there. We don't know if they'd want to coach against Duke. But do you consider reaching out to either Chris Collins, the head coach Northwestern, or Wojo at Marquette? 
some people seem to be on the Wojo uh, bandwagon. He recruits pretty well. Uh, Henry Ellison's one of like, he's a lottery pick this year, five-star freshman. So he was able to attract him to Marquette. So, you, you know, you have to think about him, but you also have to think this Duke job is going to open up within the next 10 years. Um, there's going to be a lot of candidates, a lot of alums. Uh, you know, there, you know, even like if Brad Stevens is a halfway successful NBA coach, like he's going to be in the running for the Duke job because that's the one college job he would end up taking. So that that's going to be a competitive thing. Do you really want your head coach in the middle of that? I don't know, but uh, I I don't mind Wojo and you know Collins is doing an okay job at a very like one of the most dead end of all dead end Power Five jobs. Northwestern has never been to the tournament. Um, but he has them competing at the very least. Yeah, I, I would take, I mean, especially Chris Collins. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if he would take it. And the Duke thing, frankly, for me, that's not a huge concern because I don't think Coach K is going to retire anytime soon. I mean, sometime in the next 10 years, but it's not going to be two, three years from now. And even then, it, I mean, there are going to be they so might many. They be hiring above that. Right, exactly. So so I wouldn't be concerned that that person would want to run to Duke. Um, that said, I don't know if that person would jump to, to take an ACC job and coach against Duke. Uh, what I do think is that uh, is that Chris Collins, uh, the uh, the son of Doug Collins, who was a you know, great NBA coach, uh, I, I think that Chris Collins will, if he stays at Northwestern, will bring them their first ever NCAA tournament berth. Uh, I think that's a big deal. I think he's doing a good job out in Chicago, Northwestern. I think if you could get him, and again, I think the ball's more at his court, if you could get him, uh, I would have him right in that same level of about an Andy Enfield, uh, maybe even a, a little above uh, Kevin Willard. Um, so so I think maybe if you don't get McCaffrey or Cooley, I say talk to Enfield and talk to uh, Chris Collins. A couple more names. Uh, we've got three more names. These were mentioned in Paul Zeiss's article. You know, lower mid-major teams, but you know, there's there's definitely a chance. Uh, Mike Lonergan of GW, what do you think about that name? I think he's a decent coach. Uh, DC, Baltimore ties. Um, we're gonna try to speed things along a little bit. We don't want to keep you uh, waiting all morning, but uh, decent coach. DC ties uh, showing decent amount of success at uh, George Washington. Has them going to the Final Four of the NIT as of tonight. So, you know, he's doing a good job. So for the most part. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's solid. I, I It'd be an okay hire. I wouldn't necessarily love it. Uh, Tim Kluse from Iona. Um, you know, some people picked him. I think you might have picked him in your bracket this season. What would you think about that name? Uh, free-flowing offense. Uh, they score a lot of points. Uh, they kind of went toe-to-toe with Iowa State as much as they could. So it would be an exciting brand of basketball. It's just a big jump from the MAAC to the ACC. That's a lot of letters. You know, I, I think it'd be an okay hire. Um, not too excited. And finally, the best name in this entire coaching search. I don't know if you could do any better. King Rice from Monmouth. They had a great season this year. Didn't make the tournament, uh, but they did pretty much everything that a Monmouth can do, again, except winning the conference tournament. It'd be sort of a stretch, but what do you think about going after King Rice? I kind of like him. Uh, you know, he, he, you know, that, like I said, it's the same jump as Iona, but he's some good experience at Vanderbilt. I, I think another, uh, solid program. He was an assistant. Um, you know, he's, he would be an exciting hire. He'd kind of be off the radar a little bit, but you'd have to, you'd have to appreciate, you know, what he did this season with Monmouth. I mean, they were road warriors. They played a lot of games tough. I mean, he, he's an exciting hire. I just an unlikely one, just kind of where he is. Uh, he kind of needs to go to that middle tier before he goes to a you know a power five. Yeah, you know, again, it's not going to be your first choice, but I think he's a very good coach. I wouldn't be upset if you decided to hire him and swing for the fences. He's a graduate of UNC Chapel Hill. He played there, uh, as you said, he was an assistant coach at Vanderbilt before that. Providence. He was the head coach for the Bahamas national team, uh, and, and so I think. I think based on what he's been doing in Monmouth, how he's been improving, 11 wins, 18 wins, this season 28 wins. Uh, I think that he's a very good coach. For Pitt now, probably not. You might want to go, you know, say if, if Pitt gets Ed Cooley or something like that, maybe he would move to Providence and, and go from there. So it would be a bit of a leap to, to move on to Pitt. But that said, I really like King Rice. If not this time, if this isn't a good hire, you're talking a couple years down the road, that might be a name uh, who's going to rise to the ranks pretty quickly. Uh, so so that's the whole list. I, I think really when it comes down to it, 
at least from my perspective, there are tiers. There's that first tier, which is Chris Mack and maybe Larry Kristowiak. You give them a call. You see if they'll take it. Probably not. You move on. Second tier, uh, I we both like Fran McCaffrey a lot. We both like Ed Cooley a lot, I think. You, you call them. I think if you... If you're really dedicated to, to making a good hire, you put in a lot of effort, you put in a lot of money, you really try to convince them, I if, I think both you or I would go all in. After that, Andy Enfield, maybe Chris Collins for Northwestern. I like uh, Kevin Willard a bit more than you do, but, you know, going over some of those names. Um, and, uh, and then after that, I think then you're talking about this middle tier, Bryce Drew, Chris Holtman, Will Wade, Brandon Knight reach out to them, and then there's that lower one, King Rice, Mike Lonergan, you know, Tommy Amick, or something like that. So, I don't know. For, for me, it seems like one of those tier games, and we don't know exactly what Scott Barnes is doing, but I think if I were him, you just go down that list, you make phone calls, you try really hard at the top tiers, and if you don't get them, then you just keep going down. Yeah, that, that's definitely a good idea, and the thing with Barnes is, like, this is all what we kind of know, and Zeiss, Zeiss probably has a little bit better idea than we do, but he might have something up his sleeve that we have no idea about, and um, so it, it could be something off the wall, someone you don't even expect would even have interest in the pitch job, but suddenly do. Uh, he has a lot of connections. He, he, he was on that chair of that NCAA tournament committee, like we mentioned, so the there's a very large window of who he can talk to and who he might can convince here is like, I'm just going to throw out like my most wild of wild scenarios. That's never, ever going to happen. But like, I would just fall over dead. If it did the bulls, they're going to break up the Chicago bulls. It's not working. They might not make the playoffs. They might trade Derek Rose, all this Hoiberg. Why not? He's, he's, he's an excellent college coach. Uh, Iowa State has a good coach now, so you know what if they break? They just got killed by the Knicks. What if they? What if they just fire them tonight and say it's all over? Like, does that change things? I mean, I mean, again, certainly you make the call. Uh, Iowa State wasn't a much better program than Pitt, so you know it's. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think he's a phenomenal coach. Is there a chance? I, you know, maybe in the in the long term, distant future, but probably not. But you know, again, look, there are so many names out there. I think. Look, after Sean Miller, a lot of people seem to be upset with the list of names that are out there. A lot of these names, you know, in those top tiers, I think would be excellent hires. If you get, again, ignoring, say, Chris Mack or Larry Kostowiak, if you go out, put all your time and effort, all your chips in for Fran McCaffrey or for Ed Cooley, or you go after Andy Enfield or Chris Collins, those are really good hires. I think that that would be a great, great choice for Pitt. And then there are also some good hires, I think, in a, a Kevin Willard or a Chris Holtman or a Will Wade that could be as good as, certainly as good as Dixon was the past five years. Do we know? No, we don't. But I think that just because Sean Miller's not on this list doesn't mean there aren't some quality names on this list that would qualify as very good hires for the situation. I agree. There, there's there's people out there. Pitt's going to get a decent coach, um, even a good coach. I mean, it's, we're not going to get a great coach like Jamie Dixon. No one's going to have that resume. But you're going to get someone that people are going to respect. And there's a there's a solid team in place. There's solid recruits you have to talk to right away because they're already talking about wavering. So the new coach, when he's hired, he's going to have to hit the ground running. So it, it, it's an important hire for Scott Barnes and uh, one that he really can't mess up. Completely agree. You cannot mess this up. Although if he does, King Rice, a couple years from now, you never know. It's all I'm saying. Uh, anyway, uh, we're, we're going to skip the Three Rivers pack of questions just based on time. Uh, and uh, But before we go, we do want to do just sort of a ceremonial Panther of the Week because this is unscripted. We always like to do a Panther of the Week. We didn't do one on our instant reaction Jamie Dixon news episode. So, Jim, I think it's pretty obvious, but for the week, you know, who, who's your Panther of the Week? It's Jamie Dixon. Uh, he, you know, this past couple of days, everyone's kind of upset. They're kind of trying to make him out to be a villain or some sort. And like he wronged Pitt and he ran for Texas. I mean, it was time, it, you know, it, it, as much as some people would like to admit it, you know, it, it's all things have to come to an end. And, but he did great things here. 13 seasons, 11 tournaments, uh, you know, big East championships, uh, being, you know, just 
relevant, being you know continually ranked week after week in the AP poll. Like I said, in his 13 years, Pitt was ranked 62% of the time. That That's just, you know, that was stuff that was never heard of at Pitt. So he did a wonderful job. He is a good person. We, we had our Jamie Dixon moment in the initial podcast. So, you know, we're not going to say anything different. I mean, he's just a good guy. He was a good coach and he was good for Pitt. Completely agree. Jamie Dixon, Panther of the Week. Uh, no ill feelings. It was time. Does that mean that uh, that there you know, that there won't be some growing pains? No, I mean that there probably will. The new coach is going to have to adjust at Pitt, and uh, there, there are going to be times in the next maybe year or two that people are saying, "Wow, I really wish we still had Jamie Dixon here," uh, and that makes sense. But at the same time, I think it was probably still best for both parties. Dixon seemed really happy to be at TCU, and good for him. You know, I, I don't I don't want him to be miser. You know, I'm not looking for a guy to show up at TCU and say, "Well." Guess I'm here. You know, you you should be happy at your new job, and and Pitt should be happy to 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 be able to to move on and uh, and try something new. And so I think that uh, that it was a, a nice clean break. He did some amazing things for the University of Pittsburgh. This is an exciting time, but as we mentioned the other day, uh, and and today we'll uh, we'll both miss him. So. That will do it for our episode of Unscripted. Probably the longest one we've had yet, but there's a lot going on, mostly with these names. A lot of names out there, and, uh, you know, of the names that we mentioned, one of them might be the next head coach of the University of Pittsburgh, and now you have our initial analysis of whoever that guy might be. Look, if it's not one of the names that we mentioned then Scott Barnes must be a wizard or something because I think we've thought of just about every name that anyone could possibly imagine. But uh, I, I want to thank everyone for, for tuning in. I want to thank uh, my guest Jim Hammett. Jim will, I'm sure, be doing this again in just a few days, uh, either if there's another big update with the coaching search or whenever they hire a new coach, then we'll absolutely do a new episode. But again, thanks, Jim. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in one final time. I'm Corey Cohen signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.